Welcome to the next in our series of podcasts that are cutting through the industry fluff. In this series, we're speaking to a variety of, of industry leaders and experts to help explain and educate how banks and non-bank financial institutions can transform their payments infrastructure. And today we will be talking about uh, or answering the question, are cloud payments now mainstream? Historically, regulators were reluctant to get involved with cloud technology, and we're going to investigate whether that's changing and, and why. Um, within the next 12 months, uh, a large minority of FPS volume will be processed using elements of Form 3 uh, and our cloud native technology. Uh, we think this is demonstrating progression towards mainstream. Given that FPS is growing enormously, Let's say hi to our two uh, guests today. We're more than qualified to give us some insights into this topic. First up, and I'm a bit of an old traditionalist, so we'll go ladies first. We have Sakai uh, Namanga from uh, AWS. Sakai, welcome. Um, do you want to give us a quick introduction to yourself? Um, thanks so much, Ryan. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this discussion. Um, so thanks for having me. So like you mentioned, I obviously am at AWS. I, I lead payments uh, from a go-to-market perspective. Um, here at AWS. And, and what that really means is we work very closely with our customers to help build or migrate different payment functionalities or platforms onto cloud. Um, but also we provide industry expertise and best practices to, to a lot of uh, uh, payment customers. I work very closely with our fintech payment customers primarily, but I, uh, I, I support all, all payment verticals. Prior to AWS, I was at a issuer processor called Tutuka, um, heading up their business development and partnerships team there globally. Um, and prior to, to Tutuka, I was at uh, MasterCard uh, for a couple of years, about eight years, um, leading prepaid strategy and sales in sub-Saharan Africa. But uh, my last gig there was, um, you know, heading up Samsung Pay globally um, at, uh, at MasterCard. Um, so my second guest um, is Sulab Agarwal from Accenture. Sulab is Managing Director, Global uh, Head of Payments uh, for Accenture. So Sulab, again, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Ryan. Hello, everyone. Really look forward to the discussion today. So, so I lead the payments practice globally, as Ryan said, for Accenture. Um, what payments mean within Accenture is um, we've got our big traditional banking clients, more often, we're working with the new payment unicorns or the new fintechs, as they're called. And also, um, over the last couple of years, we are expanding into the non-financial services clients as they have a lot of payments needs. Um, so, Kai, I'm going to start with you for AWS angle. So, um, the first question is, um, in terms of how far we think the use of cloud technology has actually penetrated payment infrastructures, um, so, Sakai, let's have your view. Yeah. Um, has it penetrated uh, payment infrastructures? Yeah, yeah. I think we've come a long way, right? I think, you know, there's uh, been significant progress around, around payments within the cloud. I think previously cloud-diverse payment card networks only dipped their toes when initiating cloud adoption for a while. And then we saw in 2019, um, you know, a slight shift where payment companies continued to both experiment, but also commenced, you know, these large scale cloud adoptions within AWS. So we saw, you know, a lot of payment processing companies and merchant acquirers, remittance players, wallet providers, as well as card issuers, 
you know, um, launch transformational projects and migrate mission-critical workloads onto cloud. And, and, and I think that also, you know, the, the fact that a lot of payment card networks continue to acquire companies with cloud usage um, to add to their suite of value-added services is giving a lot of these payment networks more experience with cloud. So we're seeing a shift in their mindset and culture towards cloud technology. But, um, you know, last but not least, I think also the pandemic has served as a multiplier for interest in the cloud. Um, and I think a lot of our customer interactions uh, with various payment companies uh, are reflecting this as well. So we definitely have come a long way. Uh, are we there? Probably not. I think we're still scratching the surface, but we've definitely seen a nice, you know, an, a nice uh, uh, trajectory. I was looking at the AWS Innovation Summit agenda, only uh, 10th of June this year. Um, it was entitled Rethink Possible. Right. So, you know, in, in my view, is that, is that a mindset or is it a mindset thing that banks need to get into? I think customers appreciate the fact that it's not just about technology. Um, I think the shift from physical infrastructure and traditional service models to cloud-based, you know, microservice architectures and technologies entails a, a, diff a different variety of things that are changing the way people are having their operating models, you know, function or and the skills and the cultures of their organizations. So I think it's really around a mindset, to be honest with you. I think at reInvent, you mentioned obviously the rethink, you know, the um, innovation summit, but but at reInvent last year, um, I think Andy Jassier, our, our CEO, former former CEO at this point, um, you know, had outlined four transformation imperatives, um, and it's remarkable that many of all many of the four are not technology focused. I think he mentioned things around conviction and alignment of senior leadership and how imperative that is to actually, you know, infiltrate the culture and the mindset. I think you mentioned, you know, the set of aggressive top-down goals being quite important um, and training, um, you know, different uh, variations of the cloud for, for institutions to be comfortable, um, you know, when they're building cloud and understanding it. And then last but not least, I think he mentioned something around keeping keep moving and and avoiding letting organizations get paralyzed. And even if they're not capable, you know, able to figure out how to to move many workloads on cloud, you know, the 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 notion of you know having a powerful inertia to move things forward is quite imperative. And and none of those four things really covered cloud, you know, technology per se. They were really highlighting the mindset and, and the shift in, 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 in culture. So I, I do think that it's a lot to do with mindset uh, to answer your question, Ryan. Okay, so, so Sulab, is it paralysis by analysis? So if you look at the traditional businesses, they have operated with a certain construct, both in terms of technology and the business model. And some of the new cloud adopters and the new technology adopters are actually um, disrupting them in certain areas and and everyone's waking up to the fact so so clearly i i feel um it is coming top down to say well how do we change the business model completely by looking at a different technology stack and um, and obviously cloud comes as part of it but how do you get to the target cost income ratio how do you get to the market agility how do you uh, create products and launch them and how do you achieve the customer satisfaction you're looking to achieve so all that put together i mean i i what i would say is that the transformations in the past i mean especially if you look at infrastructure given that you started the topic but with cloud it used to be a tech decision right now it's more like a text tech stack decision but it is part of the business model conversation i think in your experience when a, an organization is looking at, at, at transformation and you know, cloud is, is obviously on, on the table for that, is there normally a driver 
a net new set of requirements, uh, moving customer expectations that, that is a catalyst for that? Um, or are we seeing organisations actually thinking, okay, um, I just need to do things in a better way? Customer expectations have been ever-changing, right? As Sakai said, clearly um, customer expectations have changed even more during the pandemic. And um, um, I, I think why some of the traditional clients have started to take them more seriously is because the customers have an alternative. First, they are getting used to um, certain social platforms and other platforms to a certain experience, which they are bringing those experiences as kind of uh, a basic hygiene um, um, kind level of requirements for the traditional services which they get from banking, but also in the in the in the payment space itself, you you're getting those services which are a lot more slicker and and functionally very rich and moving and and satisfying the requirements. So the I mean that that is clearly been uh, a big factor for the banks to consider um, and other organizations as well to consider to move towards a more uh, cloud native stack. I, th I think when you when you just to, to go back to your question around just is there a catalyst? I think there is definitely. I think cloud's becoming a means to an end for a lot of organizations that want to grow and and to be more flexible and nimble, especially with a lot of, from a payments perspective, a lot of payment processors trying to get into different markets and, and in a quicker time and scale. I think they're realizing that it's becoming a means to the end. I think when when you think about you know from a payments perspective, a, a lot of you know different payment customers are trying to figure out how to you know modernize their platforms, you know main you know migrate some of their mainframes onto cloud um, and, and, and figure out different ways to break down their monoliths into different microservices. Um, and then they're also thinking they're having, you know, there's also conversations we're having, you know, around AI and ML and, and ways to use sophisticated use of, of, of data analytics for fraud and credit and customer engagement, lifecycle management. So there's no one catalyst, but there's different 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 rubrics around the, the um, you know, the impetus to push them towards that direction. Moving on to, you know, how the conversation then actually becomes execution. Um, so, like in 2019, in June 2019, you did a piece, uh, you may remember, called The Future of Payments in Cloud, now is the, it, and now is the time to embrace it. Um, I read that, and, by the way. It was great. Sorry to interrupt you. I, it, I did. It, I read that. I didn't realize it was you, but I read it. Great. Really great. <laughs> Thank you. It, it is it is really good but actually i'm going to quote him back to himself and then see what he says so you said if your bank hasn't embarked on its journey to cloud payments yet perhaps it's high time it did um so we fast forward two years um but a lot of conversations do you think you're seeing execution the conversations moving into something tangible i, I do like i mean your operating law organization uh, itself like form three is seeing a lot of traction with a couple of large banks um, in the UK, I mean, clearly there are other providers uh, who are also cloud-based providing core banking um, infrastructure um, as well. And, and, and you can see both uh, the challenger banks, obviously, and the new fintechs adopting it wholeheartedly, and that's the new model. But not just, I mean, payments, core banking, and various other places we're seeing um, you need to think about a different culture. You need to think about um, different infrastructure availability and 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 creating the foundations, which which in itself is um, is something that a lot of firms are dealing with. Regulatory approvals and how do you convince 
about exit scenarios and various other things. So there's, it's not without challenges, but I think um, organizations are getting used to um, dealing with them. And as the foundations are getting established, I do believe that even in the core payment space, uh, there'll be more adoption going forward. Um, so Kai, you know, you guys are at the sharp end of this. I think obviously, you know, from a, a business case point of view, um, you know, are you seeing the type of numbers, the type of adoption that, that you would expect at this stage? I mean, uh, that's a great question. Are we seeing the type of numbers we'd expect at this stage? I think we are. We are seeing the type of numbers we'd expect at this stage. I think the numbers actually, you know, to some degree, have actually, are, are more, because of COVID, um, kind of a, a little bit higher than we anticipated. I think that um, COVID kind of accelerated a lot of the, you know, the dialogue around, you know, you know, cloud. I think it definitely pushed um, a, a lot of uh, companies to really rethink their models and pivot around how they wanted to be more agile and realizing that cloud could be a good infrastructure play to help them get to where they want to from a solutions perspective and a product perspective. So, so yeah, but like, like I said earlier, we're definitely scratching the surface in the payments ecosystem, I think, with, with, with cloud. I think there's a lot more to be done. Looking really parochially at the UK, and I'm not sure whether either of you um, can give me a view on this, but hopefully you can. In terms of you know, where Form 3 are, the, the dominance that we're seeing, certainly within, within faster payments, but other payment schemes now in, in, in domestic the UK and across Europe, um, all driven by you know our use of, of cloud technology. We have to go through substantial due diligence and hurdles, but actually the conceptually, we're kind of pushing on an open door now, and that's definitely shifted in the last two years, certainly for me. Um, so we think the UK is a success. We think we're getting it right from the regulatory viewpoint, from a technology viewpoint. Do, do you agree? Is, is the UK actually being more successful maybe compared to other parts of the world um and if we have what do we get right and how can we replicate that elsewhere i definitely feel you've got um some of the secret sauce right there so um form three clearly uh, have done well in terms of creating a cloud native architecture as the guy was saying having a microservices based architecture cloud first as the key principle and also making it real so i think uk was the first one um to go into faster payments, right? Globally, or one one of the first ones, but like we we got it in two thousand and eight. Like US is just uh, uh, like TCH is a recent phenomena. Some of the other countries uh, over the last three four years have caught up, um, and um, um, and clearly um, uh, as a result of that, uh, UK banks were already on a on a faster payments infrastructure and moving to another faster payments change as we are going to NPA, which is the new payments architecture, and takes takes the faster payments uh, infrastructure to the next level with new messaging standard, but also a whole host of overlay services. Um, I um, I think, um, I mean, clearly among uh, most of the other um, uh, markets um, that the, the number of overlay services which are coming in, whether it is confirmation of payee, request to pay, um, and, and even in the past where we had uh, current account switching services and various others, I do believe UK is, um, is one of the leaders, if not the leader um, globally. So can I just come back to you if you've got anything to, to, to yeah. add to that? Yeah, no, I, I would have to agree with that. I think you definitely have the secret source, as Salag mentioned, in terms of, you know, 
being pioneers in this space. I think, you know, historically innovation in the UK and payments has been has been quite predominant compared to, to of course, the US where I'm, I'm sitting in at the moment. I think you've been quite open with your PSD too and, and open to, to different innovative ways that fintechs have been able to play a little bit more creatively in that space. But in terms of um, just being the leaders, I, I think you are, you are the pioneers in terms of what's going on, but I, I do see a lot happening in Asia as well. I think Japan, I think, was the first market that came up with faster payments. Um, and you know, China and India are doing some really interesting things as well with with with, with faster payments. So I think Asia has got a, a nice handle on it as well. And I, I do think that there will be more coming out of that market. I, I see LATAM being a little bit more proactive as well. So I think in in Brazil they have something called PEX. Um, Mexico has a, a sandbox platform that they've created with the government just to pretty much promote um, you know fintechs to to do some really cool things. Um, obviously, I, I think Argentina is doing some interesting stuff with you know, with the uniform uh, virtual keys with CVU. So I feel like, you know, people are definitely awakened to, to this movement. Um, obviously, the UK is definitely at the, at the forefront and, and doing some really cool things. Good to hear. Um, we mentioned hurdles um, earlier, and I think there, there is a still a frustration. And, you know, we're, we're at the sharp end of this. So, you know, we would love to have, a, you know, a fast payments payment super chart that's completely cloud-based and cloud-native. Um, our solution is, um, but we're still required to have physical um, data centers, physical endpoints, whether that's for faster payments. Swift still require you to have physical infrastructure. Um, and th that's frustrating to us. I imagine it's frustrating for you as well. Um, and that seems to be kind of a legacy regulatory throwback. What, what I would say is, as some of the newer organizations, more traditional organizations are um, adopting it, there is a slight difference because uh, you are getting into a very hybrid territory, as you were talking about. You you will have half of the infrastructure, which will be on-prem, because that is the traditional infrastructure, and that works in a certain way, and some infrastructure on cloud, which will obviously need to be connected into and, and will have to cooperate. The other um, aspect is the exit strategy and, and the regulators um, I, I have seen in many instances are still getting their head around what happens um, if one of these things do not work. I mean, uh, other challenges like security and others, I mean, uh, I think time will tell, but, but generally the investments which are made by the cloud platforms, including like AWS and, and you guys building um, something in a DevSecOps manner, meaning security part of your uh, development lifecycle is is clearly um, a space where people will start to get more comfortable as they get get to know about it. Um, but but there, there I I think the industry will have to evolve and figure out how this hybrid uh, model is going to work and what are some of the challenges because um, you know we we are together finding out. Um, as to how uh, it'll work in the core spaces. Clearly, for the many non-core spaces, it has become a norm, right? Whether it is your enterprise uh, risk finance spaces, HR, and even like uh, CRM, you, you've got all the uh, technology, which, which probably needs to interact with the rest of the platforms, which are more on-prem in a, in a slightly different way. It doesn't have the same frequency or the uh, you know chatter as as my tech tech colleagues will talk about when it comes to um, payments where it it 
it kind of in real time is talking to various systems and and working uh, at speed. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a it's a bit of everything, to be honest with you. Um, I think mindset, like I mentioned before, is always a, a critical thing, you know, and, and control, you know, control slash trust, depending on how you want to slice and dice dice it. Um, you know, a, lo- a lot of companies, you know, are, are comfortable with having a lot of their systems on on premise, you know, and, and want that to be the way it is, and, and they like to have the end end to end. Um, visibility of, of what's really going on with, within their systems. Um, so, and, and so there's a bit of a mindset and understanding that, you know, yes, you know, we, it, there's, 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 there's benefits of having control, but there's also more benefits um, for, you know, being able to, you know, transition or migrate some of those platforms into cloud based on your KPIs and, and efficiency and agility and, and security that we, we definitely have within, within AWS. Um, I think from a technology perspective, no, no significant barriers, you know, there's barriers in, in all aspects, but I think one of the things I think Salab mentioned briefly as well is really around the whole payment HSM. I think that's something to, to think about when we're thinking about payments and connectivity. Um, you know, currently, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, payment HSMs are on-prem or, on, you know, prem data centers or in co-locations. Um, and, and that's a connectivity um, component that's really important for payment transactions. So, Thinking about that in the long term, I think, will be quite important to 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 you know have um, clouds fully fully on on uh, sorry payment companies fully fully on cloud. Thank you for that. Um, I'm, I'm conscious of time. I, I think <laughs> it, it is it is rattling by. I, I really want to thank you for your time. Um, before we go, where can people find out more about you, uh, Sakai? Sure. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm not that active on Twitter or the other social media platforms. Um, or on on AWS's uh, homepage. I've written a blog or two. So, yeah, you can find me there. Excellent. And Sula, where do you hang out? I think LinkedIn will be the best place. And then I've written a few blogs on Accenture.com, so I'm sure people can find me there as well. Fantastic. Okay, so so thank you both. Um, We hope uh, you enjoyed this chat. I certainly did. Um, and the audience has gone away with uh, some new knowledge uh, or certainly a few things to think about. Uh, This has been a Form 3 production. Uh, We're busting the myths about modern-day payments. Thank you and goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.